Hello, my name is Eric Donenfeld, and I'm joined here today by my very good friend Priya Gupta. Uh, Priya recently joined a group of expert faculty to discuss and vote on topics related to defining, diagnosing, and treating acute exacerbations of dry disease. We call these flares. The results of that discussion were published in the May 2021 issue of CRST as a CME supplement titled The Second Dry Eye Flares Consensus Statement. Today, Priya and I will discuss some of the key consensus findings. Priya. Hi, Priya. Thanks for joining us here today. To begin with, why don't we define what we mean by dry flares? Can you please give us some of the key signs, symptoms, and triggers of a dry eye flare? Well, Eric, I think one of the tricky things about flares is that they can be so varied. So sometimes patients say, you know, there's a, a trigger, they worked an uh, all-nighter, their, you know, allergies are acting up, um, their dry eye is, you know, kind of irritating them more than usual. Typically, you know, when patients complain about specific symptoms, I would say I'd put redness, irritation, um, fatigue or strain in their eyes as uh, typical symptoms, but they can be quite broad. Right, and we see them all the time. I mean, I, I used to think dry flares were something unusual, but now that I'm actually looking for dry flares, I think dry flares are the norm rather than the exception. What's your experience been? Absolutely. I think that, you know, patients sometimes don't call us and, and they don't tell us that they're having it, but if you actually take a minute to ask them the question of, hey, tell me how your eyes have felt in the last few weeks, they will know specifically and often be able to tell you, okay, for these three days it was terrible, then it got okay, and you know it's, it's really impactful to them because it's disruptive to their life, um, but I think it's way more common than we really uh, have been giving it credit. So Priya, you pointed out a very uh, good bit of information, that is, what is the relationship between dry eye and allergy? We used to think they were separate diseases, but now we realize that they are truly intertwined. Well, absolutely. I live in the Southeast, and I think, you know, we like to say we have allergy season, but it's pretty much all year round. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you take not only seasonal allergies, but also environmental allergies, um, a lot of times I hear patients saying now that, you know, in the pandemic, we've been home often working, uh, my patients at least, not us, <laughs> mm -hmm. but um, they'll say, oh, you know, my eyes have actually felt better because I'm not in the, you know, old office building that had no air filter and dust was everywhere. So um, I think absolutely ocular surface disease, you know, when we think about that, there's so many contributors to it, but they all lead to flares. So let's talk a little bit about um, dry eye flares and inflammation. Tell, tell me a little bit about the role each of those has and how they're intertwined. Well, we used to think that dry was a geriatric condition that just marched forward as you became older, but now we've come to the realization that really inflammation is the key trigger for dry eye and the inflammatory uh, sequelae really result in patient symptomatology. Uh, dry eye is an inflammatory disease, and we know that there are certain inflammatory triggers that, that cause dry eye, so that the flares that we see now are almost always due to some type of an inflammation. And we know that when you suppress inflammation, you also improve dry eye, so that when we're treating dry eye flares, we're really treating inflammation at the same time. Absolutely. And if we look at the typical, you know, signs and symptoms that patients come in with, you know, red eyes, redness is always a sign of inflammation. And I think that, you know, it's such a simple concept that a dry eye flare is tied to inflammation, but it's really meaningful. Um, you know, when we look at what's happening at the immune level, there's an initial ramping up of the innate immune response. But our patients that are having flares actually 
keep that high level of you know immune awareness where once the adaptive response picks up, it stays that way for weeks or months. So how does that information change how you treat these patients or you know talk to these patients? Well, that's a great, very good point. And what we know is that once the inflammatory cascade begins, it's hard to stop that. It's like a, a rock rolling downhill. You've got to basically not suppress inflammation. You've got to eliminate inflammation. Mm -hmm. And the most potent way that we all know of eliminating inflammation is corticosteroids. So that's why corticosteroids play a very significant role in dry flares because we're not trying to suppress inflammations like you might do with a mast cell stabilizer or maybe even an antihistamine. Uh, you really want something that's going to basically just eliminate it. And we like to use immunomodulators. I'm a big proponent of uh, lefitograst and cyclosporin. I think they're really important drugs that we use. But at the end of the day, the, the drug that's going to give us the best bang for our buck in suppressing inflammation is always going to be a corticosteroid. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that just in the, you know, handful of months, I think that I've paid a little closer attention to flares. I find that if I treat the flare, the patient actually, you know, not only does better, but they come back to the office less. They feel like their eyes feel better. And, you know, I think it's modulating that immune response. And as you said, eliminating inflammation as opposed to leaving it kind of smoldering that really makes that um, clinical difference. Yeah. Patient expectations are so important, and, and, and as a clinician, we have to be really aware of what patients expect, and patients expect relief of symptoms. They don't want to have it in a, in a week or two. They want to have it done today, and we need therapies that are going to address patient expectations and deliver the promise of making dry relief a real reality, and again, that's the place where corticosteroids play a very significant role. You know, I think sometimes um, we get overwhelmed with treatment choices, and we think that dry eye, ocular surface disease is really complicated. But as you're talking about it, I mean, I think we can really boil it down to if a patient's having a flare, they need to be treated, right? And But you also brought up, you know, an excellent category of therapies, chronic immunomodulators. Um, but I like this, like, stepwise therapy, you know, and, and having a, a number of tools in your tool belt, but addressing what you see at the moment. Completely agree with you. Yeah, I hope more clinicians out there do that. Mm -hmm. So Priya, in your experience, how common are dry eye flares? Well, Eric, I think they're more common than we realize. Um, according to our consensus group, the average patient has six flares per year. I mean, that's, that's a lot of flare disease. Um, and whether or not they all get captured and, you know, actually go into the doctor's office to get treated, you know, it sort of doesn't matter because we know that they are having uh, those flares. And that has impact not only for how the patient feels, but I believe for their, you know, long-term prognosis of their ocular surface disease. And I agree. It's extremely common. And six flares might be a little bit on the low side. I know I'm a dry patient just a couple times a year. Uh, when I get an airplane, when I go out to Aspen, uh, high altitude, low humidity, I become symptomatic. I don't need therapy around the year for those small attacks. I need to be able to treat my flares exactly when they occur. I know when they're going to happen. I just need to be prepared and have the right tools to treat them. So as a refractive and cataract surgeon, we both have a lot in common. 
we see dry flares to be very common in all patients, but I think they're especially common in patients who've had surgery. Uh, surgery, we all know, induces some corneal anesthesia. There are topical medications that cause inflammation, that cause dryness as well. So there have been studies now that show that upwards of 70% of patients who have cataract surgery have dry flares, and 63% of refractive surgery patients have dry flares. And as a clinician who does these surgeries, I think it's really important to address these issues because patient satisfaction in, really involves having every aspect of the patient's disease managed. So when you remove the cataract, the job doesn't start there. It's, it doesn't stop there. When you treat a patient with cataract surgery, you need to manage their ocular surface as well. How do you feel about that? I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Chris Starr and I did a study that was published a few years ago that showed that 80% of our patients presenting for cataract evaluation have some level of ocular surface disease. Many of those patients are not diagnosed. Um, and so, you know, when we talk about flare disease or chronic disease, a, a lot of patients don't identify as having dry eye disease, but they have this underlying predisposition to flares and, and likely have some mild disease that's present. Surgery in itself is a stress, you know, for all the reasons you mentioned. Um, but I find that those patients that are susceptible, those are the patients that kind of decompensate after surgery. There's too many challenges. There's the drops, the actual surgery itself. And those are patients that can be quite unhappy for several months after surgery because their flare is sort of, you know, peaking and not being addressed um, and often sometimes confused for other things, you know. I completely agree with you. We always think that the patient with the dry eyes is the patient who's the most unhappy uh, after surgery. It's not the patient with dry eyes. It's the patient who has a marginally compensated dry eye where your surgery puts them over the edge and makes them overtly dry eye. Those are the patients who are truly unhappy. And many times these patients don't realize they have dry eye. Uh, many times patients come, come back to me after surgery and they say, I'm experiencing visual fluctuation. Mm -hmm. For me, that's a buzzword that they have dry eye. So when a patient complains of visual fluctuation, that they can look at a computer for 10 minutes, or they see well in the morning, they don't see well at night, that's dry until proven otherwise. And these are flares that are occurring, but the patient may not be aware that they're a flare. Absolutely. I mean, a visual fluctuation is one of my favorite symptoms to elicit from well, we a patient. Both like we both one. agree. Mm -hmm. um, but it is so disconcerting for the patient because they feel like something went wrong with surgery and that, you know, it has to be the new implant that's not working properly. And it's, it's, a, it's a big problem for the patient to understand that they actually had some pre-existing disease um, that is now flaring. But, you know, we have treatments for it and we have things that we can do. It's just making that right diagnosis and looking for it and having a high index for suspicion in this patient population. Right. So the take-home message here is that visual fluctuation is dry until proven otherwise. And if it occurs intermittently, those are dry eye flares. Absolutely. Great. Thank you. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we encourage you to read the entire supplement where you can get greater detail on information related to diagnosing, defining, and treating dry eye flares.